Shop of Maniacs. You are listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave in the shed with the sick kid Rupert, so it could be exciting. And with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome. You pay for the <laughs> you pay for the Riverside, so I think you know it's great that you could show up. We split it up, though. Did you all know this? Like, Dave's got the domain. I think the uh, the hosting's on Dave's credit card. I get some other stuff. We just it just it's 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 in the wash. You know, we have a special guest though. Uh, uh, this time, we've referred to him as Triple Threat once in a while. Dave, who is it? It's Josh Triple Threat. Collinswood, hey, uh, uh, but you you misspelled your name in the chat, Josh. So <laughs> I did. Just so, just so is just the so. new name. Yeah, and it's not the classic. <laughs> what I always do is Collingsworth. Do you get that a lot with the G in the middle there? Constantly. Like, even when I was a kid, anytime my parents would have to like say their last name like on the phone or something, they'd be like, "No G. It's just Collinsworth." Yeah. Just it's just no G. It's fine. I'm sure people misspell Coyer all the time too. Probably. Yeah, I gotta go really slow. C O Y I, because you can't you can't rush through the middle. You gotta go, can't go C O Y I R. You know, yeah. Then it's lost. You gotta go mm. slow. Mine, mine uh, really enhances my own like lisp. You know, it's it's whooput. You know, it's <laughs> it's ah R U P E R T, and then they're like uh, Robert. Mm, yeah, the uh, mist. Yeah. There's always that awkward pause where I say Collinsworth, and then I can tell they're kind of waiting for me to spell it, and so I just go ahead and do it anyway. And then mm-hmm. it's twelve letters long, so I have to do it again. <laughs> uh, if you're not following Josh, it's just that his name that we've now talked about a bunch, so you'll guaranteed to get it right. dot com, wonderful blog, lots of great stuff there. Kind of a must follow, I'd say. Well done on the blog. You're at uh, you're at Dino now, yeah. I am, yeah. The six months, uh, about exactly now. Oh, congrats! That's cool. Uh, Dino being one of the one of the what what would you call it? One of the Java one of the great JavaScript runtime runtimes of our time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of them out there now. Um, I, I somebody was just posting about how they're like ten or twelve or something. But yeah, Whoa, Dino, juicy. Uh, one of the biggest ones. Um, I, I I'd like to think it's one of the the best and simplest ones. Um, it's been really exciting joining them and, um, getting to kind of see the inner workings and, and get excited and pumped up and get to kind of have a big impact at a little smaller company. I was at Shopify before that. And that's of course, Uh, huge. yeah, 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 yeah. Like I want to say there might've been around 15,000 people at that company when I joined. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It was easy to feel like, a um, very small part of a very big machine. So it's nice to be on a smaller team and kind of, um, feeling like you're doing a little more to push the ship forward. Yeah, that's cool. It always seemed very like level-headed, you know, to me And that it, first of all, it was early, early notable. Cause it wasn't, it isn't, I'm sorry for my ignorance here, but isn't it like the node guy was like, I'm going to start over because node has problems and I'm going to fix those problems. Yeah, 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 kind of like uh, uh, this is what I would have done if I had done Node today. Right, that's cool. And, there's and then act- you're like, he's actually Ryan Dahl is uh, not alone. There's a couple other people I think at Dino who were like originally working on Node as well. Early days, yeah, right on. That's great. And then and so presumably those some of those problems are fixed. I I think of it as like the one where you can do ES imports from regular ass URLs, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why that's such a distinguishing feature in my head, but Yeah, URL imports are one big feature. Um the 
the things that you can either explicitly allow or explicitly disallow, like read your file system, write your file system, uh, access the network, access ENB variable, like those kinds of things are a big. In one. other words, security. Yes. Yeah, sure. Right. Like I'm going to ship a function and like be pretty sure that it's going to be safe because I'd never allowed file system access. Yeah, yeah, Instead exactly. Of it being implicitly allowed. Um, well, that's wonderful. That's a good feature. And then I, what? I, what I, one of the things I, I like too, just not to be <laughs> blowing too much, whatever. This isn't. I didn't plan to have the, the Dino show, but you know, you're well, we got Josh on, so let's do it. The model of like, you know, it's so simple to be like, well, what are we going to do as a company? Uh, let's do hosting, I guess. But but like in a really nice way and like we're going to not only just host it for you, but do the kind of the, the global CDN version of it, which seemed like kind of the hard, the hard way <laughs> to, to host a function, right? So you, you have a little bit of code, you want it to run in the sky, there's a CLI, right? And you'd be like, shoot my, shoot my, even my TypeScript file up to the sky. And now I have a URL that will run it from anywhere in the world. That's what you, you know, can do that, right? Isn't that, don't you all make that really easy? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is the deploy product that you're talking about there. Deploy is our sort of hosting infrastructure. And um, yeah, it's all around the world. It's hosted at the edge. Um, you can do websites, you can do, you know, edge functions or, or web servers or whatever you want. Um, the really nice thing about it is that, like you mentioned before, you can just have those ESM imports as a URL. So you don't have to worry about you know, like if you were using Cloudflare workers, for example, you would have to make sure that you got it bundled down to this certain size and you had it like compiled away and everything before you ever launched this thing. And um, with Deploy, you can just send everything right on up there. You don't have those restrictions. So you can even run like, you know, NPM packages and stuff. You can just do whatever you need to do. And um, mm. it's a really great way to do things. You're saying not um, worry about like pre-bundling right, or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Cool. I always thought that was weird. Like when I'm like compiling my server code. No, that was always like a what am I what am I doing here? <laughs> what what decisions got me to this point? You know, um, there there's some bad stuff. You know, and for old school AWS lambdas, you had to make a zip, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, hmm, why? Cool. Just right. <laughs> Right, so things get better over time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. Uh, so, uh, do you use uh, Dino then full time? And Dino also has Fresh, right? The the Meta framework. Uh, you guys are almost down my entire list of what a new JavaScript framework needs. So, <laughs> yeah, um, Fresh is mostly what I use because most of what I work on is web properties, and then I do some work on like Dino products as well. I don't know if we should disambiguate that like Dino is a company and also there's like Dino, the open source runtime. So mm -hmm. like when mm -hmm. we're talking about, you know, Dino um, as a product, as a JavaScript thing, that's, you know, the open source runtime. And we often call it just the runtime just to kind of help us talk about it a little differently. Mm. Um, but at Dino, the company, what I'm using most of the time is fresh. And um, for listeners who might not be familiar with that you, you could think of it a little bit as like a maybe a lighter weight version of remix um just built on dino specifically oh, okay so it's more it's more remix than like 110 or something or yeah yeah okay. it's it's built to be completely server rendered it it has those nice things built in where like you know you've got a form it can work client side but it can also just do the basic html mm. that you know thing that servers have done forever where you actually handle it server side and um, routing and those nice kinds of things. Um, so if you like ask for the homepage of a fresh site, is it just like freshly server side rendered every time? That's a wonderful way to put it. Yes, um, it is. 
So yep. I could be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna output new dot date and it will be it will be the date. You you could absolutely do that. Yeah. Just host it at the edge wherever you want. It's um it's JSX, but we use Preact rather than React. So you get all the nice um performance gains that come there. Uh and it uses the islands architecture that I think Astro really helped um popularize where you anything you want to run client side you put you opt into you put it in an island and otherwise it's just pure server rendered html mm, interesting i see so that date thing if you didn't make it an island it would be wrong because well be having... it would be it would be whenever the page was loaded right just like if you did it with php or something oh, okay right on This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Elicit, that's E-L-I-C-I-T dot com slash shop talk. So if you're a front end, full stack, machine learning engineer, you want to join a team that's AI first and deploying language models at scale, look into Elicit. You know, we just had Maggie Appleton on the show not long ago. She's leading design over there. Just saying, pretty cool. So their goal is to radically increase high quality reasoning in, in the science field and beyond. They're building this AI research assistant and they've been around a long time doing it. You know, a lot of us have only been hearing about AI stuff for the last year, maybe two, but they've been around since 2017. They pioneered process supervision. This means breaking down the work of advanced machine learning systems into smaller parts so that it remains transparent and controllable, even as the overall task gets too complex for people to understand. They're helping right now more than 200,000 researchers every month. They just had a big seed round, $9 million, and they're looking for exceptional engineers to, uh, to help work on the front end the back and the machine learning part of this. So if you're looking to build that next generation of AI interfaces and change how scientific research is done, check out Elicit, E-L-I-C-I-T, Elicit.com slash shop talk to apply. They're an especially great fit if you uh, love tools for thought, end user programming or computational notebooks. Again, that's Elicit.com slash shop talk to apply. Wonderful. Okay. Fresh. Dino did that. Um, we can circle back to it and stuff. We have a yeah. little, there's random news. There's <clears throat> some questions that Josh can help us answer. And the uh, unavoidable, your latest blog post is um, is kind of about the AI stuff. There's, you know, I guess you could have predicted this coming, but there's starting to be a little research and pushback on on the, the code that LLMs produce for us. So Copilot looms large in all of our minds because VS Code is so big and it was free for such a long time. And a lot of us kind of liked it. I think you even opened your post saying that you like it generally, yeah. right? But your post then goes on from there and 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 maybe maybe you could walk us through it. Is that, are you ready for that one? Let's do it. Sure, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, the, the title of the post is, um, I worry our Copilot is leaving some passengers behind. And um, I, I, I just noticed as I started to use Copilot, like it's super handy. I love what it does for me, but I was noticing a lot of times I, I felt like a, a a goalie trying to keep bad code from flying by me into the net, you know. And um, around this time, I was also spending a lot of time in repos where I was coming in. Somebody else had written the code, and I was cleaning it up or like refactoring it or whatever, and 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 like fixing some mistakes and. I was thinking like, man, the, the 
there's so many developers out there in that situation who are just kind of doing this uh, to get by, to get unblocked, to move on to the next thing. And they're just going to take whatever suggestion Copilot throws at them and, and not think any harder about it than they need to. If it appears to work, it's going to be fine. And um, that's kind of how we got into this situation with accessibility on the web in the first place. Obviously a very dire situation. Um, I think that it, kind of the thesis of the post is that it, these tools, I, I specifically talk about Copilot, but there's a lot of these similar tools out there now. I think the we, we have some data suggesting that now they are sort of lowering our overall code quality, which is not a great thing. But as long as things still work, that's fine. But uh, like when it comes to accessibility, you know, the difference between good code and bad code might be working or not working. And so if we're always we're using this tool and it's always kind of pushing that that persistent pressure in that direction, um, we may be just sort of letting the already very poor state of accessibility on the web just get even worse in that way that systems often work, you know, very quietly, um, but no less maliciously in the end. Right. You have as demos about uh, uh, like even like footnotes. And it's like, man, a footnote is sure you got to know a little HTML, but it's an anchor link up here that links to an anchor link down there and then also in reverse. And it's like, I didn't even, I wouldn't have even thought about using JavaScript for it. But I'm wrong because apparently a lot of people do because <laughs> so many people do that it has become the way that Copilot, at least in your case, and, you know, because I'm sure there's a lot of what ifs and what code it's looking at or contextual information. But for you constantly, it would suggest click handlers, just inline click handlers, just baked right into those HTML components. And you're like, where the hell did you learn that, you idiot? That's a horrible solution, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> and I saw some, even some response to your post that was like, shh, that sucks now. But imagine, you know, th this theoretical, I don't know, half checked out developer, developer doesn't know any better, really early stage developer, whatever you want to call it, who's just like, yeah, well, it works because it the solutions do, I don't know, big air quotes kind of work, right? The click handler will get you down there somehow. Uh but you know, and then and then you know, ship it in in ship the it. most expensive, high tech, <laughs> failure to prone way possible. Right, <laughs> and now that's out there, right? And that was accepted, which theoretically is in can enforce the model further. I don't know the that's where my understanding lacks a little bit. Don't some of these tools promise that they don't do that? They're like, we're not going to train on what you do or whatever. But yeah, you check that into your GitHub repo. It's public open source. It's going to get re-ingurgitated re by an LLM eventually. Right. Yeah, something is going to see that. I, I don't, you know, they can promise that's not going to happen. I don't I don't know how much I trust uh, AI companies promises at this point, but I mean even no, if kidding, right? it, even if it doesn't get to that point, even if we aren't concerned about, you know, the acceleration of it, we're still in a pretty I guess the effect hasn't compounded yet, but the effect is still there, right? We're we're still we're still using this tool that's been trained on all kinds of like bad ideas and biases and that is gonna propagate like that's going to result in more of those bad ideas and more biases even if it doesn't like i don't know eat its own tail 
Right. Yeah. Even if it stops at level one here. And so what, 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 what can you imagine the pushback being like? I mean, I think you, you do that in the post, right? Or like, if you're, you know, could you, I don't know. One is like, we're all adults. My, my here. favorite was AI, AI will fix it. That was, <laughs> that was, yeah. Which I, you know, I think there's reason for optimism there, but I, I don't think that's probably going to be the, you know, the, the total solution to everything. Um, I've used AI tools, like I mentioned in the post for my own, um, accessibility issues. That's great. Um, but I, I think, I think we've just kind of gotten used to not really having the same standard for so-called AI tools that we have for all other products. And I think we maybe need to realize that we, we should be saying, Hey, Microsoft, you're one of the not not to call out Microsoft specifically, you know, there's Google and everybody else has these, but like you're one of the world's major companies. I'm giving you my money. Like it, it's, we should expect that what we would get back in return um, is not harmful <laughs> at the bare, bare minimum. That should be the baseline. And and it seems like right now there's a at least a pretty strong argument to be made that that's not the case. Also possible that it what it tends to give you is like, I've heard it referred to as like copy paste kind of code, right? Like it's not going to like look and see for your existing footnote solution or look at find the function that you should be calling that's some utility in your existing code base. It's like, oh no, I've seen this before. I'm going to handcraft it, the solution, because it's just not that smart yet, right? It's it's just it's just good. yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 not smart at all. It's just uh, extremely good statistician uh yeah somebody i think in the discord brought up that maybe it was alex they had seen where using copilot a lot just kind of resulted in very not dry code because it doesn't know to go pull that function from where it exists elsewhere it's just going to rewrite it right there in line right and that's the kind of thing that it's easier for my brain to think that is going to get better that like right now it doesn't but what if it what if it just you, we could send more tokens and it got smarter about our own code base and all that stuff would we just be does this concern then evaporate or not you know? i don't i mean this part isn't really the concern that i have like if our code quality goes down i i'm not going to lose sleep over right. it you know as long as it still works as long as it's still accessible like who cares if I've got the same function 10 times in my code base? Like that doesn't bother me. What what bothers me is this pressure is like literally making the web a worse place for some yeah, people. It's the accessibility problem. That's that's a big that's a bigger problem. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> so not to go too deep. Do you ever worry about like or think about, I guess, the the bigger impact? I, I used a, a a AI, I assume it was GPT based, but it would I, I could just like tag it in a pull request and it would go try to fix it. Like I just like type what needed to be done and it would go and uh, write a pull request. And I think GitHub's working on something similar or they demoed something similar to that. Kind of. Um, cool. Uh, but well, but the, you know, <laughs> the whole thing is like, you know, you don't need junior devs anymore, you know? And it's like, Hey, that's cool for as a person who wants to stay small and, keep money in my pocket. But as somebody who wants like a healthy industry, uh, not having people coming in is, is bad. Seems like a bad, you know? So how do new people learn? They just get really good at writing GitHub issues. I don't, you know, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, what? man. I, 
I think I think the three of us could go really far down this rabbit hole. Like I, I, well, I got started working at I was a designer, and I just started toying with code to like make myself more valuable and more likely to get hired. And like I remember getting so many opportunities to work on like basic HTML pages or like to customize WordPress, you know, theme styles and stuff like that. And that's like where I learned. I think a lot of people kind of in our, we're all similar ages. Like we're sort of in that uh, similar generation of developers who the like master generation. Yeah. 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 We got those little opportunities that gave us the skills to like jump to something bigger. And um, a, a colleague of mine at Shopify put it as like the ladder is being pulled up behind us. Like the people in the next generation aren't getting those opportunities. And it's a, it's a, scary thing like where's the next generation going to come from and but then you also have the same thing where it's like well lots of layoffs are happening lots of people who are developers need jobs so it's i i don't know man it's 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 a complicated mess out there right now yeah you have to be careful with your own brain a little bit because it's like it's easy to like think of all the negative things and be like holy crap the world's on fire you know and uh without you know because you're (laughs) you're just you're going down that rabbit hole. not you but just I, it happens to me too too <clears throat> but then sure. you're like oh yeah but oh my god have you seen the free learning resources that are available all over the web we sure as hell didn't have that youtube is slathered in just amazing right. yeah. materials there's like universities that put out curriculum to walk you through this stuff and it's just free you know, like, I, where's the next generation of developers going to come from? From that. Yeah, yeah. Who was it that posted a video game their five-year-old made? Oh, yeah, that was Adam. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It just wild. That's so cool. Yeah, incredible. So hopefully, hopefully that stuff is okay. You do, you do. The one that gets me is like the, the, the tinkering thing. You know, like every device you get now, they don't want... They, intentionally don't want you messing with it there's no res edit for the apple vision pro or whatever cool what do you want what do you want to do what, what do you want to do next here do we do feel like we do we cover that or is there some did, how do you end up the post we can we can move on to like a, a lighter topic so josh you hate react <laughs> and um <laughs> you have built a online persona about being the biggest <laughs> react hater pants on the planet you said you were using preact earlier that doesn't match uh, what I know about you and I know you like Svelte. <laughs> so I don't know why is, uh, just throwing out an episode title. Why is react bad <laughs> and you should use Svelte, you know, what, what's, what's, <laughs> oh man. Uh, a lot of problems with react, uh, do disappear when you're doing server side rendering and what you send to the client is very light anyway. You know, I, for whatever reason, like the two most historically popular posts on my blog have been like anti-react posts where I just say, Hey guys, there's some problems here. Um, and, and that, yeah, for whatever, that's me. That's become my (laughs) reputation now. And the other one is, uh, yeah. Then the other ones are just about Svelte and how much I like it and how good I think it is. Uh, it's, if I, I, I find it funny, like some of the criticisms are like, what the author fails to understand is, why, you know, <laughs> it is like the author clearly hasn't like done any kind of react. And it's like, no, you worked on like Shopify. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> is it, Shopify all react. I don't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. Because remix, right? Or they, yeah. Yeah. All, they are all in on react and react native mm-hmm. for everything front end. Yep. React and Ruby on Rails still. Yeah, a lot like CodePen. I, I think if I were just to kind of boil down my thoughts on it, it's just that um, the industry 
at least seems like it's standardized on React. It's the default choice. And you know, default choices are useful, but we have a lot better possibilities now than we did when we sort of converged on that default many years ago. And um, things have gotten a lot simpler, a lot better, a lot easier. And, and, and I think a lot of the decisions that were made early in the um, development cycle with React have, have not paid off very well, have aged poorly. And it's like that XKCD with the tower of blocks, right? Like we, <laughs> we made some bad choices in 2012 and we are still Is stuck it stuff with like hooks? Is it stuff like... I don't I think hooks are generally a good idea. I, I uh, Honestly, probably a lot of my problems are more with JSX specifically than they are with React. The, the performance angle is one thing. Well, I guess some of them are React too. Like, uh, for example, it's very dogmatic about one-way data flow. And you you just cannot ever have data going two ways, and you know Svelte and Vue and I'm I'm sure lots of other product projects they do have two way data binding and it's extremely useful and it makes a lot of things very simple, um, but it wasn't in service to the problem that Facebook was trying to solve when they got React onto their front end instead of jQuery and so they made that rule to try to like wrangle their data the way they wanted it, and now that's. It unavoidably shaped everything that's come after. Kind of same thing with like, you know, every function only returns one element because it was all originally an argument to mm -hmm. another function. Um, these these decisions just kind of continue shaping things all the way down the line. It's interesting that that's never talked about. You never hear somebody that currently works on React that will say like, this is actually dumb, but we're stuck with it. You know, like these that, that seems like a fair thing to say. Like, I don't know, we have this architecture that is so ingrained in it that we can't change. And I fully admit that the way, for example, Svelte does something is better, but it, it doesn't mean we're not going to keep working on React or whatever. Like, it just, I don't know. That seems like a fair a fair shake, you know? But you, you won't hear it. I don't know. I'd like to, it takes a third party to point those things out, I guess. I guess I found myself wondering last night, like, to what extent does, like, React as a, whatever you want to call it, like an entity, to what extent does it care? Like, you know, these smaller projects, they are really excited when a big company comes along and wants to use them and and really, you know, into making it into the shape that that company wants or, or, or help them or make them successful in whatever way they can. But like, you know, if somebody comes along to React and says anything, no matter who, if it, Amazon is like, hey guys, we want React to change, are they really going to be like, eh? yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, we've we think we're doing okay. Uh, that React documentary is wild. I mean, it, it, it does paint a picture of like they were born in this like cauldron of hate. You know, like the the se the second the world saw it, they hated <laughs> it. People have hated it forever, and it's still been successful. So I, I wonder if they're like, oh, people don't like us. How surprising! They didn't like us when we were born. They didn't like us as toddlers. <laughs> they don't like us as adults. Like, no, we're just not liked. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe hey, so. I, too, yeah. in my defense, because you're talking about me, <laughs> I clearly remember saying it is very interesting because I was in, like, mush, mm. mustache hell at the time, you know. But uh, it's very interesting, but I want to see if it blows up in somebody else's face first. And that's what I said. <laughs> I feel like ten years later now, I'm starting to read that. But I do. Um, Some of the early stuff you know. was just like, look at this click handler right on an HTML element. That's awful. 
and then but the, the, turns out they're actually mm-hmm. kind of right about that one now that's you know? how you do it <laughs> but that's <laughs> yeah that's not unique to react everybody followed suit there well i think a lot of people were also like HTML in JavaScript? What are you talking about? In a, I can't return HTML. So they were right about some things. Not that they were first necessarily, but just certainly popularized it. And, and I think also a lot of the benefit that people see from React are um, benefits you would get from any framework, like benefits from having a system and a system that helps teams work together really well. And, 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 and so I think maybe it's a little overvalued by companies or, or organizations or whatever that have only tried it because um, some of those benefits are they're not realizing kind of extend everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, it was very Wild West in how you coded things. You know, you you had some jQuery that called a mustache. Maybe you had knocked out stuck in their backbone or something, you know, and it was all kind of pieced together how you did events. And, you know, I think like Twitter popularized the whole event up, data down sort of thing, you know. Um, and no, everyone was just kind of making it up and doing a bad job, getting hurt by it. So React came along and said, here's here's a way. <laughs> we made some controversial opinions, but, um, you know, here's a way to do it. I, I think the lesson I've, I keep seeing over and over is like, a bad system is better than no system, and like React was a system for a lot of people. So, what about the what about the Svelte thing? Is so appealing in your? Is it the? Is it? I, I think of you know, I have so little experience, and I think of the the, the early stuff when I came out it was like, why would you have to like do a set state or something when you can just say var x equals one and then change that value and Svelte just knows what you mean or whatever. Like it's, it looks just like regular JavaScript looks. Is that stuff still appealing to you? The little, or is it, has it moved on? And like, what is it about Svelte that's so appealing? I think that's appealing. I think a combination of hooks and uh, as Svelte themselves put it in their five blog posts, um, realizing knockout was right all along. Um, I think a combination of those are bringing it back a little more towards um, being more explicit about your state variables and how you update them. But to answer the question, it's just the simplicity of it that is so delightful to me. It's it's very, very close to the HTML and CSS and JavaScript that we're all used to writing just for the plain web. And in fact, like the Svelte itself is less of a JavaScript framework and more of just a tiny compiled superset of HTML. Like, there's very, very little in Svelte that isn't already in HTML, CSS, or JavaScript. And so that makes the syntax very familiar, very simple. And the way you do things in it requires so little extra code compared to how you would do something in um, a, a comparable framework. Um, it's just very simple, and, and I appreciate that. And it also has stuff built in that you might want, like, you know, animations, transitions. I use it a lot for just prototyping ideas for um, games or interactions or stuff like that. And just having a built-in animation and transition library is amazing. And it has a built-in solution for Scope CSS. And you don't really have to, like, reach outside for those kinds of things. And I really appreciate that. That does seem classy, right? Those are like the those are like the biggest needs, you know, or or whatever. Like, no, don't look no further for a styling solution. We gave you, we gave you the best one. We waited for it to shake out. 
this is the best one scoping i'm talking about uh, well that's what's like view has that same thing you're like you see people chasing their own tail and like well we're using the the new yeah. one now you know and like view is like oh did we just use the one it yeah. never even crossed my mind that i would use a different style scoping solution so. i just don't even bother like not writing vanilla css anymore because with with that scoping, I get whatever I need and that's it. God, it is so nice. Mm, love it. You know? Yeah, the little Astro has it too. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I use it in the form of CSS modules, which is like the just slightly not as good version of, of scoping. You know, you have to, you still have to kind of name a selector and then attach it specifically to the thing. It's not just regular ass CSS like the scoping is and the, uh, which which is great. <laughs> I've been looking into Veet and all its features because our you know our new code panel will be running stuff like like Veet. So we have to like be real careful about every single feature that it supports, and <clears throat> it happens to have CSS modules built into it, which is an interesting project. It I, it didn't really occur to me at one point that it's just a spec CSS modules. It's not a you can't npm install. Oh, interesting. It's not a library. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's no versions of CSS modules. It just exists. It's a it's a thing, and if a if a compiler decides to support it, it just supports the spec of it. Pretty weird. That's kind of wild. But all it is is it, you know it, it look it's it's ability to look at a CSS file and turn all the classes into gibberish that you can, and then it turns it into an object that JavaScript can import, and then you use those gibberish classes to apply as class names. It's you know it's pretty simple at it at, at its root. And Vite supports it too in the context of Vue. If you really wanted to, Dave, use CSS modules instead of scoped CSS, you can. And then you <laughs> compare the two side by side and you're like, this is stupid. The, the CSS modules approach. I'm like, but that's in, like, why would Vite build it in then? Like, I can't answer that, but it's, it's interesting to see a project like that. It seems like the just slightly less classy than, than Svel, because Svel has made these like strong, stronger choices like now we just have this way of styling i'm not going to try to support four different ones i don't know i don't know Vite's pretty big though so maybe that was a good choice i think all these projects are using Vite at this point right yeah it's just so unbelievable how it, it was like the right thing at the right time just sucked everything up I still feel weird about it. I still feel like, oh, it it doesn't actually, it's not actually, it doesn't actually build stuff, it just uses ES build inside. And it doesn't actually make production bundles, it just calls rollup and rollup does the bundle. So you're like, what, what are you doing then? Well, I think I get it a little more now that I've been looking into it. It does lots <laughs> of interesting stuff, but it's interesting how it kind of didn't rewrite some of the biggest, hardest things that need to be done. It just uses other little tools. And, you know, whatever no shade great tool it's a hard thing to market a product and get people to love it and use it but it is weird when it's like all the like the bucks like the open source bucks that go to it and not the things that it depends on mm, that's weird mm. hashtag hot drama here's well right, let's actually go light this time <laughs> somebody wrote in and says i love little tools these are handy little web utilities, Mac status bar apps, phone apps, plugins that do one thing, but they do it well, etc. You know, it can be stuff like Itsy Cal. That's a calendar that he has in his, uh, in his actually it didn't, I said he, but they, it's kind of anonymous. So who knows what it is? It's a calendar with the week numbers in my status bar. So 
or, or drop over that lets me um, bundle a bunch of files together on my Mac and copy or share or move them around. So those are two examples of little tools that they like. For web apps, it's those like H-E-I-C to JPEG tools <laughs> uh, or like an asset compressor or a tool to generate a random color palette, you know, that kind of thing. In WordPress land, it's like you know, SVG conversion tools or something that adds a CDN automatically, that kind of thing. So the question is, which we can round robin, do you have any neat tools like this? Any favorites? Does anything come to mind for you, Dave? Little tiny tools. You know, I'm a fan of the uh, Cinder Sorhus uh, <laughs> compendium. Uh, yeah, suite of uh, tiny Mac apps. Um, it's great how, you know, he'll just come up with an idea and implement it like in a day and then put it on the app store. It's pretty impressive. Um, He's got one called One Thing that I think is cool. It's a menu bar app where you can write you just write like call mom or something and it puts call, call mom in your menu bar. So you like are forced to stare at it until you deal with it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's like amazing. Cause it's just very focused on like, Hey, do you, you need to do this, do this. Um, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think of apps I have. I mean, like I, I Chris, you got me on this uh, $80 screen studio, which is a oh, little, sorry about that. A little pricey for a one. Well, well, you know, and I already have like, Clean Shot X from Setup, you know, which is a cool setup. Is still I'm still paying for that, but um, uh, Screen Studio is just this really neat tool for like it's expensive. I found out, but it's um really neat for like just catching a window, like recording a window, and then like zooming in. It'll like zoom into your mouse, and then you hit stop, and then it gives you a little editor, like hey. Did you want to zoom in here? Did you want to put a background on it? And it's like, yeah, yes, I do. Okay, great. And then like in like five minutes, I have like a what feels like a full video, you know, 10, 20 seconds. So that's yeah, really yeah. classy. It's super cool. It's really well done. It does video overlay and all that stuff too. Like I, I like that. That's maybe like Yeah. It does like little stuff that you'd never guess that you need. Like it smooths out your mouse movement in the video. So instead of it being all jerky or something, it's like the mouse is a little bigger. It's a little easier to see. And then it puts the mouse back where it started at the end of the video, just in case you you use the video for something that loops. It's not as jarring to watch the mouse jerk somewhere else. Like, how would you? That's incredible. Good job. Uh, but it's not exactly, I don't know. It's That's not particularly little. Cause it's pretty, it's not, it's not big, but it's, it's a big one. I, you know, I'm thinking of little ones. I asked in the D -D -D discord, if anyone knew how to like, <laughs> had a tool for like stitching images and everyone was like, I just usually open a Figma and I found this one or somebody found it and it was uh, called stitchy. It's a rust package command line tool. And I just like drag the two images I want into a folder. And I say stitchy, uh, this folder mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. or like, stitchy two images together and it'll put them side by side or into a grid or into a, I can say like do four images and only horizontal. And um, so I can build little photo strips or whatever I want. It's cool. It's like, I mean, it's does the job, you know, and uh, I didn't have to open Figma and that's what I wanted in my <laughs> life. And so I feel like that counts. That kind of stuff is like all I use my design degree for anymore. It's just like <laughs> putting images together or like a, a shockingly big one is um, 
like when you have to sign an official PDF with your actual signature and you don't want to actually like print it and sign it, like just forging <laughs> signatures onto PDFs is a, a weirdly high percentage of the things I use my design skills for. I don't know if either of these are built into Raycast or if I went out and got these as extensions, but one is a color picker, mm -hmm. which is just like up there in your menu bar. And I find that's really handy to just like grab a hex code that I need. And another is an extension that when you open Raycast, if you have a meeting on your calendar, it will put that meeting as the first item so that you can just open Raycast and go straight to that oh, meeting. Oh, I love it. That's really cool. Uh, I, th I was going to say Raycast too, not itself, because it's such a big, it's a big tool overall, but I feel like it's gobbling up this market of small tools. Because if you need a small tool, it, there's probably a Raycast plugin for it. And then it's built into this muscle memory you already have for, for activating and do, doing stuff on your computer. Yeah, Raycast rules. Yeah. I used to tell everybody about Rectangle for moving your windows mm. around, but now Raycast does that. And like Rocket for putting emojis and stuff. But yeah. Now Raycast does that. Speaking of Raycast, Shop Talk Discord member Kevin Kipp uh, made a Feedbin app for Raycast so you can get like your Feedbin inside your Raycast. That's pretty cool. <laughs> what yeah. a, they really turned it like a lot of companies, they want to be like, a platform or an ecosystem or something, or that's the kind of buzzword crap they'll put in their pitch decks. And Raycast really made it happen. Really cool. I was jealous of everybody got their like year end yeah. Raycast thing. I'm like, I, I used the it. crap out of Raycast this year. I didn't get mine. I just like, they just didn't email me one. Yeah, like here's Spotify one, except for it's like, what apps did you open and crap? You know, I was like, that's a genius idea to. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I do still use a dedicated color picker SIP for some reason, maybe just whatever to make my setup subscription more valuable or something. But I, I have a, a clear ask for the world that nobody's ever been able to answer me on. It's like, can somebody please, for the love of God, make a color picker that can pick in the new color formats? Like, can it? grab an okay lch color like if you open a freaking sunset in a image of on preview or whatever app on your computer and grab that orange any color picker today will suck it back down into our srgb to give you a hex code or hsl value whatever you want none of them will retain that high res value or whatever that p3 value of it none of them what just it seems like free money somebody at least a little bit of it that sounds awesome i would also like the opposite like where it flattens it down to a named color and so it says any color just just smash it. it all the way down <laughs> yeah web safe <laughs> to the mode. nearest That'd named color yeah <laughs> i love that, that web safe a thing yeah. for a long time oh delicious i don't know if i have any other ones i used to have a, like an app for for um optimizing like one-off jpegs and stuff then you just drag an image onto it and it would optimize it but I'm just kind of kind of off of it. I th I feel like mm -hmm. I use the heck out of Squoosh. That, that yeah, I was going to mention that. And actually, now that I look in my doc, I realized I was going to mention RunJS as well, which is just a little um, app that it 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 just runs well. It does what it says. It runs JavaScript. Like you just open it and you just get a little JavaScript playground. It's just a lot more convenient than um, popping open a console when you want to like test something out or see if it's working or whatever. Oh, I love this. I want this. I've wanted this for a long time. It understands TypeScript, so you can do all that stuff and you can set up your config however you like it. But I just use it a lot when I just need to like 
get an idea out of my head, like make a function, make sure it works the way I think it does or whatever, you know, just try out a little JavaScript live. It's so handy when you like have like an array and you're like, I need to like do it something with it or, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. like, and it's going to be like four or five chains uh, deep. And so, yeah, like, yeah, that's what it's especially good for. Uh, and you can just, the thing I really like about it is you don't have to console, you can console log in it, but like the, on the left is your code and then on the right is your console and it will put the console log on the same line uh-huh. as where you called it. Or you can just like say a variable, you can just say my var and it will display to you what that actually is. Yeah, it's a little, little, little tiny sandbox, right? The, your doc essentially. Oh, that's cool. Yep. I, I use it a few times a week. I'm a, I'm a fan. But it's not, there's no DOM, right? It's just, it's kind of like... Yeah, you can still call document and stuff, I think, in it. But I, I mean, obviously, mm. there is no actual, like, HTML in there. Nice. How mad are we at Apple about all this, like, side-loading, whatever? <laughs> is it, so it was it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Well, I, I said, one day we'll wake up and, and Apple will have reversed their decision and, and we'll have alternate browsers on the web. And... <clears throat> that day actually kind of happened. It just was tempered by the fact that it will only be in the European Union, but uh, it's going to happen, right? So we'll see how that goes. <sighs> no idea how that's going to go. I was always, I was curious, like how ready those companies are. Like the fact that this has happened, does that mean that Chrome is going to be submitted to the App Store tomorrow? Or were they just like, they're like, okay, now that it's allowed, now we'll dedicate a team to it. You know, it would be, wouldn't that be a weird job to have is to like be ready, have a version of Chrome just ready to go in, in case in case some law changed that you're not sure ever will. But anyway, they're a big enough company and probably have the motivation to do it. So maybe there'll be some version of Chrome. Maybe there'll be some version of Firefox. I guess that's about it as far as browser engines go. So those two will be available in the EU at some point. I don't know what the timeline is, but theoretically that's going to happen. And then as we're smelling that in the air, we're seeing other things come out. This The news this week was that like, well, Apple always kind of had like a little bit of a poor support of PWAs, right? Poor meaning that like it was a little hard to even figure out how to like add app to home screen from the web and then after you did it like how good actually was that and now all of a sudden somebody has discovered that those apps that you've done that on i don't know if it was a beta os or whatever you click to open it up and it says like nah that's just gonna open safari now like they're kind of theoretically just punting on this whole idea of installable pwas yeah i i don't know my my thing on apple i i love a lot of their products, I use a Mac exclusively, but it feels like they have invested a lot of money in Safari to appear supportive of the open web while they are also doing this kind of thing in the background to kind of keep a lot of it locked into their little walled garden app store. You know, uh, it's a big company, so maybe people in that company just naturally have opposing sets of goals, or if it's, you know, more malicious than that and it is actually like if we invest in our browser, then it will draw attention away from this thing. I don't know what it is, but I've been making PWAs for a long time and years. It's it's just been like this company is the one roadblock that I see. Like everything I want to do, I can do everywhere except where Apple has Dominion. Right. Yeah. You know what's funny to me is it's I think Apple is playing like whatever legal (laughs) 
politics or like, hey, you didn't say not to do this, right? You know, kind of like, like, where's the line? They're finding the line, you know? And unfortunately, though, that it's users, right, who are sort of like getting caught in the gears of this little game and uh, the lawyer game, the meta, the meta lawyer game. It's interesting to me that Apple would do that. That That's, I think, un to me that they would just kind of like, well, those people can just <laughs> uh, eat dirt or pound sand or whatever. But for me, that what I can't get over, I feel like this is a huge like thing for the web. If like a company, any company, Google or whoever was doing the same thing, it would be the same story. But it's like they're trying so hard to protect their garden that the web is truly a threat to what they do, you know? And so, wow, that's cool. That means the web is very good and we should all be very proud and very happy and um, that something's happening. I, I don't know. Generally though, I think more companies should get more sued more often. Like that's <laughs> probably my biggest like takeaway from all of this is like, we should be suing like everybody. So, but um, you know, I yeah, the term malicious compliance has really entered the entered the chat, hasn't it? A lot that word gets thrown around quite a bit in regards to all this, and you really can feel it. You know, you're like, okay, we're gonna do the absolute bare minimum here to to make this yeah, happen. It's, it's like the uh, no parking signs in New York or LA, where it's like you can only park here on Tuesdays from six to nine, but without a permit from loading zone to, to the, you know, it's like the seven mile tall parking sign. It's like, I mean, technically you can't park here. It's just not a lot, yeah. not a lot. Haven't you, Josh, made a game that's like n- got it through the Apple system bef- that's largely just a website? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of them. Uh, for Just for funsies, I've made a couple of um, word games that are progressive web apps. Uh, their names are Hondo and Quina. Um, but I came across this project... Well, originally I used a Google project called Bubble Wrap, but lately I have gone and used a Microsoft project called PWA Builder instead. PWABuilder.com is just this website that walks you through all the steps you need to do to take a progressive web app, make sure it's valid and everything, and then sort of like bury it inside of an Android or iOS app. And then you can just essentially push that little, website in android armor or whatever uh into the app store and get it uploaded so yeah both of those games are on the app stores Uh, if i make another one i don't know if i'm going to go to the trouble because it is a massive pain in the ass to go through that Mm. whole process it's it's not the technical stuff it's not getting it bundled up it is dealing with all of the things you have to check and all of the, the the stuff you have to verify and sign and steps you have to go through and hoops and Mm. all the disclaimers and all those kinds of things are just getting something into the app store is it makes me wonder how and why people ever do it like (laughs) why does anyone have an app this is it's a system designed for a company of 30 people like like or 100 because because as a single developer you're like 
why do you, you emailed me on Tuesday and said it had to be done on by Wednesday? Like I have to like mm-hmm. rebundle this and set it up and, you know, click some buttons and yeah. And I've, yeah. I've had tons of stuff. So Quinn has been in the Android store for uh, maybe three years now. And I just constantly would like, Oh, we've taken it down because it violated this, uh, you know, app store rule. And I was like, but, but that doesn't go into effect yet. It doesn't go into effect for three months. Oops. Yep. You're right. We put it back up, but it, oops, hang on next week. We violated this rule. Like, wow. But the last guy said that was okay. Wow. And didn't you get swept up in like the Wordle clone, uh, like big shoot down sort of, right? Cause <laughs> you were out before Wordle, I believe, but, um, uh, well, like, yeah, I mean, uh, Quinna, it came out about a year before Wordle blew up, but I mean, you know, that the the guy who made that is just way better at marketing than I am. Um, I was just setting out to make a fun word game, and you know, he, I think the daily um, aspect Puzzle of it, thing. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, that was really the, the big deal then. Kinda. Yeah, it's a much more accessible game. It's a little simpler. Um, Quinta is a little more strategic. Requires a little more. I don't know. A little more of a deduction i guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah so I, I made another version of it with the daily puzzle after wordle came out because i was like that's a great idea and i've actually been playing it on my own for the last few months because i just have fun with it um nobody plays uh, my games a lot but it's fun like i have a guy who lives in australia and plays the game every day with his wife and his daughter and like they all like show their scores to each other and it's not just this game they have a bunch of them but mm. he emails me every once in a while with like a bug or a, a feature request and i'm like this is <laughs> I, i'm it's just so cool to know that like i made this silly little game and somebody out there is like having yeah, that kind of fun with that's it that's awesome when you think about app stores and stuff like that what would be a big difference to you like to making this something you could do more often and i say that because there's some rumors there's there was an intent to ship on interledger spec in chrome and so very interesting that that would come back as a non-crypto thing. But uh, I don't know. What, what would kind of like make you, I don't know, like make you not have to upload to an app store? <laughs> I mean, I would consider just doing it as a PWA personally. Like uh, if you're trying to make money on it, maybe that's not a good idea. But you, you get pretty much all the benefit. I wish that there was more support for like app stores supporting PWAs as actual apps. I I think Microsoft does this. I yeah, think. that's what has this big smell, this PWA builder. It's like, okay, I'm done. I did it. I made the perfect PWA. Now there's 10 layers of BS between me and getting it to stores. So wouldn't it be nice if there's zero layers of BS? And I guess that's what side loading is, right? And kind of, I mean, I know it's, that's not, that's just a way of getting an app on a phone that, isn't necessarily through an app store, but PWAs seem like they would fit in that category. Like, wouldn't that be hella nice if you could just go to hondo.com and just click a button and have it whoosh to your phone and there was no overlord in place? Like, I did that. I mean, you know, the argument against it being that then, you know, Bad Guy Incorporated can do the same thing. But Yeah, I know a lot of this stuff you have to jump through is there for legal reasons, you know. Um, Can't, like... (laughs) <laughs> can't uh, put, I don't know, a Nazi app into the uh, store. You can't put stuff for kids that shouldn't be for kids in the store. You know, those kinds of things. Like there's there's legal reasons. What's funny is that you, you sure as hell can on your Mac. <laughs> yeah. Why is it so different? You know? yeah, I don't know, man. It's a, 
I, I'm glad I don't have to deal with those problems. I'm glad I'm not the person on the yeah, hook for, for that fun kind for of, you. Yeah, security and stuff. Uh, it, it I don't know. Is <laughs> people are a problem? You know, <laughs> anytime you get people doing stuff, it's just it's bad news. You think these big <laughs> companies would have would have more sway? You go to this pwabuilder.com and it's claiming that the apps that do this are Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Twitter, Glass, you know, like the main apps, let's say, do this. Yeah. <laughs> you think they or, or at least like they've done that for something in their company. At the yeah, very that's least. true. This could be a, this could be totally BS, you know, like I have a feeling the Facebook app is probably Swift or whatever, right? Wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. 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 They've got a team for that, I'm sure. But like you could do this if you were a small company and you just needed to get your thing on there. Like PWA Builder is a very viable option. Yeah, that's good to know. I wouldn't consider any other way. Honestly, it just I mean, made my whole career doing web stuff. The web has been an awfully smart choice for so many things I've done. I'd be like, I'm not going to rewrite this thing that's already a website in something else when a website should work should work absolutely perfectly yeah well i've got you in person and we're on the topic mm. i i just want to uh reiterate my request to make CodePen a pwa so that i can have it open as its own app uh in my doc yeah I think that would be really cool okay maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's not, not actually all that hard to do i don't think no like, yeah that i think getting those basics in there should be not a problem at all it's just the like the spirit of it is is like offline support and stuff at least i i think of that stuff and that stuff is much less trivial for us yeah that's true i mean you don't have to do that though that's like right offline.html yeah uh, <laughs> yeah yeah most PWAs do that, but you don't have to. No, and, but if you are offline then and you open up the CodePen app, it's like, how how acceptable is it that absolutely nothing works? Because mm. like we, we have, we are so far and headed even more intentionally towards a, we're going to use our server power and expertise and DevOps abilities and everything to just lean into doing as much awesome server side stuff as we can. So mm -hmm. whereas that's different than it, it's a little bit of a differentiator between something like stack blitz, for example, which is really cool, have put tons of engineering effort onto, I want to run node on your machine, you can spin up Next.js in the browser, in literally in the browser, no, nothing else, you know, it can, can process that way. That's really cool and interesting in some in some ways and we're not headed that way we're like yeah we're going to run that stuff for you too through highly efficient server usage so if somebody had that in their dock and they opened it up like i just don't want there to be any expectation that you can be offline when you do that it's not it's, it's not just like syncing and stuff which has its own challenges it's like actually just using the app mm -hmm. still could be done i'm not saying no i'm just saying like it's the server side stuff that gives me pause yeah yeah, I, I'm just I'm just saying. Think about it, man. I'm just you know I got my little demos. Yeah, offline HTML, and then you give like uh you give it like TV mode with a few pins in there. Just to, like yeah, it uh, could be like like if you're if you're doing something with no processing whatsoever, make that offline. Gosh, even that, Dave. Where we're headed? I'll give you a demo later. It's a it's still like doing interesting stuff to your 
to your document to make it ready to ship, for example, because, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to, you know, this mm-hmm. new version of CodePen is going to be, it's more, it's going to be easier to build a website and, ho- and hopefully we'll be able to support stuff like fresh and stuff over time. Like that's the point of it is like, use whatever, we got your back. But there are certain things that then we're responsible for doing. For example, you, you make a pen and even if it's just HTML, CSS and JavaScript, then you click a button and deploy it, right? Okay, great. But then you make some changes and you deploy it again. Now, it's somebody's responsibility to break the cache on those assets, right? Whose responsibility is that going to be? It's going to be ours because we're going to take that on because that's the point of a product is that it helps you do the things that you want to do. The way that we're planning to doing it for the, in that little example is kind of by cache busting um, strings and stuff. So that's something that again has to happen. Like, even though it looks like no server side processing whatsoever is happening, it is because we're going to process that. We're going to do that for you. Like get those cache busting strings in to the final processed output fingerprinting as it were. Um, that's just a tiny example, but it's like, man, like, but does that mean it will never be offline? No. I mean, we've talked about what's the what's the fancy thing that makes wasm or whatever right it makes like can you bundle all this crap up as a as a binary essentially and as a wasm deliver it and have it run offline yeah not tomorrow but maybe (laughs) and then can can, do 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 wasms and pwas hang out is that a thing probably potentially i think it's just like an asset yeah so Next week, I, I expect next week. Next week, uh, that'll yeah. all be delivered, and so we're known for our speed. My whole dream is just to—I just want to be in CodePen and hit Command Tab and go to my browser. That's all I want. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, I think um, we will have to wrap it up. I think we're at the hour mark. So, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, blessing us with your triple threat design. <laughs> code and writing knowledge and uh yeah for people who aren't following you and giving you money how can they do that thank you for having me um i joshcollinsworth.com is my website i think all my links and stuff are there uh i am i'm privileged enough to not need money um go go play my word games if you're into that kind of thing and have fun with them the word games are fun i'll vouch for that they are all right and uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Just be sure our favorite will be finding out about the show was on Mastodon this time. And then um, head over to patreon.com slash shop talk show and join us and Josh in the Discord. And Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Boom, shop talk show.com. <laughs>